Welcome to the Audit 15 Fun Podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about ethics. And to talk about that topic, I have Lynn Falton as my guest. Lynn is a past chief audit executive for two international companies. She's a CPA and is currently a consultant, author, and trainer. Welcome, Lynn, to the podcast. It's an honor to have you on. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So, uh, in one of the episodes that I did a couple months ago, I talked to Andy Fastell, uh, the former CFO of Anron, and one of the terms that I learned in my conversation with him was the term legal fraud. So, and the explanation is the reasoning behind that term is if it's something is legal, you know, has a, the approval from your, from your legal, uh, department from the accountants, it, it, it's, it's in line with what the law says, then it's okay. You know, obviously it wasn't okay in the Enron yeah. case, but, but that was kind of the, the justification behind it. Well, let me kind of get to my thoughts on that. Please do. First of all, I when Enron occurred back in 2000, I was with a publicly traded utility company and we did merchant trading kind of like Enron did. All right, we got caught up in a lot of the activities that were very similar to Enron. And long story short, we ended up closing that business like overnight, one of those walk everybody out the door things. Uh, I was a chief audit executive. Um, my saying is I, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical. I know lawyers can make, I mean, we see all the time cases where maybe somebody that probably was guilty got off because of technicalities. But to me, ethics is a little bit clearer aligned than that. And just because somebody said it's legal doesn't mean it's ethically correct. The ethics to me is doing the right thing. Um, I wasn't with Enron, so I don't know, but I have to believe that a lot of those people knew some of the things they were doing wasn't business, business wise, ethically correct. Yeah. So talking about that clearer line in ethics and knowing what's right versus wrong. So is there such a test as you know, like an ethical test, you know, where do you draw the line between what's ethical, what's unethical? Like. How do you go about even knowing, you know what I yeah. mean? And, and, you know, I think I, I did say clear line, but that was probably a misnomer because eth ethics isn't really a clear line, but I do a lot of training on ethics. And if you really study ethics, it's based in moral philosophy. So it's based in, um, you know, concepts of what's good and evil and what people believe and, uh, how they, you know, grow up and what they learn and, you know, their whole personalities and kind of your own moral compass. So, you know, I always say that I have a very thin gray line. So there's the black line, which is the no-no, and there's the white line, which is good. And my in-between is pretty gray um, and pretty small. And so, you know, there's cases where you have to make decisions and based off what's going on in your life, what's going on with the issue. You may step a little bit into that gray, but 
I think most people probably know when they hit that back black line. And um, I've certainly been in instances myself in corporate where it's like, uh oh, I'm edging into the black. I got to stop. And so, get the the real concept behind true ethics, whether in business or in life, is doing the right thing. And the right thing, it may be different from me to you because of our moral thoughts and philosophies. I mean, you look at all the shootings that are out there. Most of us would say, that's terrible. That's unlawful. It's unethical, everything. But that person had some concept in their mind. So that's why ethics is so tough because everybody thinks a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. So try, try to tie the, like the ethical dilemma to the internal audit profession. So one common, uh, ethical dilemma that I would say mostly chief audit executives face, which you were a chief audit executive in the past, um, is either executives or the board try to censor what they're going to publish and report or where they're going to share. Um, and I, you know, based on previous conversations with you, I understand that you were in somewhat of a situation that involved that. Can you high level, you know, just, uh, let the listeners know what the situation was, what happened and how'd you go about dealing with what happened? Yeah. And I know you're, you're specifically relating to one situation. I've been in several though, and Internal audit is a tough profession because, you know, the things that we are recommending or see, you know, management takes different views. They want to do the day-to-day -day business. They may think it's petty or small or whatever. And so it takes that kind of balancing act. But then there's always the concept sometimes of when chief audit executives feel they're in a position where management says, no, you can't say that or don't tell the audit committee this or don't do that. That's a red flag. And if, if you as a chief audit executive can't address that, that's kind of where our profession kind of can become a problem. The issue that you were mentioning is I was with a company and, um, I, my longest term employer, I was with 11 years and that was the gas and electric utility. And we closed in 2008, right at the height of the recession, we sold the business. Um, I did my own consulting for a couple of years and then I went back into corporate and the company I went with is a very, very large multinational company. It's not publicly traded. And I knew that they had always had a lot of shift in their internal audit function, but I thought, oh, it, it's okay. You know, I can, I've been in worse. Right. And, um, once I got into that organization and I could see why they had had such shift in their internal audit. And a lot of it was because they didn't see internal audit for what supposedly internal audit is according to the standards. And there was no independence really. Um, you know, the, I reported to the CFO, I could not speak to the audit committee really without management's approval. There was just a lot of things that occurred and uh, I was there for about 15 months and, um, 
the first part, probably the first eight months, I was involved in a very significant uh, fraud that had occurred with my other joint venture partners. So my eyes were turned away from the company. And then when the new year rolled around and we started looking internally, I found out you know, why other people had left so quickly, because it was difficult to get an audit report issued. They, you know, the wording, they wanted to change the wording ultimate many times. To make a long story short, in my situation, um, some of the audits that we were doing were, I would say, uh, sensitive in relationship to some of the executive personnel. And unfortunately, the uh, management kind of took the round the boat and talked to the audit committee without me knowing, and I wasn't allowed to talk to the audit committee. And I was asked during audit committee meeting to do something that I didn't think was appropriate or for my position. And in that situation, I had actually pulled aside the audit committee chair before I spoke and said, I'm understanding that you may ask me X, Y, Z, and please don't do that. Let's discuss it in a private session. And they didn't. And they asked me. And so long story, I, I waited to private session. I talked to them about, here's why you may have had a lot of turnover in the internal audit group. And uh, shortly after that, left the company and called the lawyer. Now, in my case, I don't think there was anything terribly fraudulent the company was doing, but there was some things that I felt should be brought to management's attention and the external auditors uh, actually knew about some of them and weren't doing anything. Um, my recourse in calling a lawyer was more so, hey, you guys have had this turnover for 10 years now and something is going on. And if you, you know, if you want internal audit, if you want an internal audit uh, group, which they didn't have to have because of the structure of their organization. This is what internal audit is. If that's not what you want, call it something else. But don't hire people under the auspice of internal audit when that's not what you want. And uh, so, you know, it, again, it was that was my moment of black line versus white line. And I knew as soon as um, they asked me that in front of the whole audit committee and executive management that, okay, I'm hitting the black line. I can't do this. And uh, a few other things happened and, you know, I left the company. But uh, I could certainly see, and this is where ethics becomes difficult. Okay, at the time I was, I don't know, 55. I can certainly see a late 30s, early 40s um, audit executive who has a family and maybe young children and a house and all this stuff. And, you know, I'd had my career and I was like, I'm not putting my name on the line and ask, you know, to do what you're asking me to do because I am gave you these reports and I told you what I thought was wrong. So for me, it was a clear decision. I could see for someone else going, ah, uh, this is a large company. What's the chance that something's going to happen? And so that's where, again, it goes back to your own morality. I had to do what was right for me at that time. And whether that was the right or wrong decision, you know, I had, that was what I felt was important at that time. And, and there were a lot of things that led up to that. I mean, I was getting um, indicators way before that, that 
that group really was not independent. And even though you talked to management, it was like they didn't realize the standards were out there and you told them they were, but it didn't mean anything because they're just guidelines, right? So um, kind of sometimes when you hit, when do you know that the ethical line is there? It's like you almost have a gut feel for it. You know something's wrong. And if, if you've been in the profession for a while, which I had, you know, I was like, I've been through a lot of bad things with our other company. We had a lot of issues, but I was always supported by our audit committee and our executive management. And just being told certain things that I couldn't do or couldn't say or whatever, it, it just threw up a lot of red flags. So that's why I say, you know, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's ethical. Because there were some things where we were reporting, and maybe, maybe legally they were okay, but ethically they weren't. Yeah, yeah. Some people call it the the grandma test. You know, if you're gonna have dinner with your grandma, are you okay telling your grandma what you're doing? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, uh, next question here. Before before I actually ask the question, I do want to kind of preface with some some information. So. A couple of months ago, I did a survey on regret. It was based on the book from uh, Daniel Pink, The Power of Regret. And one of the responses that I got it, as part of that survey kind of ties back to to this ethical dilemma that uh, chief audit executives face. So I'll just read word for word one of the responses here, and then I can, I'll go into the question. So the respondent said, the biggest regret was in not censoring my work when a senior executive told me to or bad things would happen and then getting fired for it. Subsequently, spending money on lawyers, but then not being able to carry through as the organization outspent me on their consult with their consultants and lawyers to protect the senior executive. After that, I don't regret anything. My integrity is intact, though my bank account is depleted. So this person did not regret uh, facing the consequences. So thinking about the situation that you had, are there any regrets? Is there anything that you wish would have happened differently? Any, any things that maybe you would have done differently? You know, you can always look back on life regrets and what you've done. And, you know, one of them I say from, if there's something you regretted, at least you probably learned something from it. Um, my regrets were that I probably didn't take action sooner. I mean, I saw all this coming and I knew what was going on, but you know, this was, I had been with my other company 11 years and I thought I can work this out, but they just weren't ready for that. So in regards to regrets, it would be that I probably didn't take action sooner. Um, but again, everybody has regrets. I, um, I, this is a little more personal side, but I, I, my mother passed away in 2014 and I remember sitting with her as she was passing away and she was telling me all her regrets in life. And I was like, mom, you know, don't focus on your regrets, focus on all the great things you did, what your achievements were. And, you know, for this gentleman in particular, you know, if he had to spend a lot of money, okay, he made that choice. You know, he, he could have made a choice to just report it and move on. I, I did the same thing. I spent some money with some lawyers, but you know, there, there, I had a point that I would go to and then I would have, you know, stopped. So, um, you know, he made that choice and you know, if, if he's fine with that choice, 
you know, that that's good. But I think that from an ethical viewpoint, again, you have to be morally okay with what you're doing. Because if you're not, it's going to haunt you for the rest. That's what I tell my kids. You do something and in, and I'm coming back to haunt you for the rest of your life. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely uh, having no moral regrets. I think it's something that's good to strive for and shoot for. So last question here. Uh, for those uh, chief audit executives that face similar situations that, you know, as the person from the uh, survey faced and the situation that you face, what advice do you have to those chief audit executives? One of the things that I see that people probably don't do enough of is talking to their senior leaders about really what is an internal audit and what is internal audits role? What do the standards say? Why are they there? Why are they important? Um, and, you know, why are you following them? And so in a lot of cases, um, when I was with my utility for 11 years, we also had Arthur Anderson as our auditors, and we know what all happened with that. Well, I was put in the chief audit executive position and, and very surprised to find out shortly thereafter that my CEO had no idea there was, there was such a thing as um, internal audit standards. So, you know, from an internal audit viewpoint, explaining to management what your role is, why you're doing what, uh, what your stance is going to be. I also, in that one instance, I one time my supervisor, there was something that I was being asked to do and she didn't want me to do it. She didn't want me to look at it. And, you know, she was basically telling me no. And I said, all right, it's your decision. I think that I'm qualified to look at this. And I think it's something in the purview of internal audit, but it's your decision. And she said, well, you don't agree with me. And I said, no, I don't agree with you. And she said, you had to agree. You have to agree with me. And that was a wake up moment too. I was like, uh, I have to agree with you. I said, I don't think so. That's not why you hired me. You hired me for my independent view. I'm telling you, this is not a publicly traded company. I don't have to tell the audit committee about this. I don't think it's that significant enough of an issue, but I'm a professional, I'm an adult. I can have my opinion and may, maybe I don't agree with you, but I will agree that it's your decision to make on which direction to take. So I think it's just clearly, you know, if you're going to be a CAE and if you're going to um, try to be a good one and follow the standards, then educate your management on what the standards are and why they're important and, and why they can help the group function effectively uh, and get that buy-in. You'll you'll have a lot easier road to go down. Yeah, very very good takeaway for those listening. Definitely, it's good to educate because you know just because someone is at, at the executive level doesn't mean that they understand what internal audit is all about, right? So, uh, for those people who are interested in contacting you, Lynn, what's the best way for for them to do so? Well, I have a website. It's just www.lynnfountain.net. Um, my email is fountainlynn, the number one, at Gmail. I'm on LinkedIn. You're always, I always invite people to connect with me on LinkedIn. 
But I would say those are probably the two major, either my website, you can message, message me through my website or through the email. Thank you so much, Lynn, for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.